All right, thank you for the prayers. Everybody needs them, right? Well, I won't say anything about this, Sado, except we're all a little bit bigger today. A little bit bigger. <laughs> There's more of us now. Okay, so, mm, Lord help. Let's just, let me just take a moment. It's kind of hard for me to come up here. I'm kind of like Ashley back there. Ashley was really, had that anointing on him, didn't he? Yeah. That's, uh, you know, he's a Mount Ulla guy. That's where I live, is Mount Ulla. So, you know, if you want to get an anointing, go to Mount Ulla. Because <laughs> the Lord is in Mount Ulla. Actually, we don't want y'all moving there, to tell you the truth. Every time somebody moves in, we're like, I wish they wouldn't move here. <laughs> you know, because we sort of like the country. Yeah, we're country people. Well, thank you, Lord. So I'm going to talk to you this morning out of the Gospel of John. And several years ago, I, I had this grand idea that I was, going to, I was going to do some message from the Gospel of John. And I just didn't, was not able to really pull it off. And the main reason I wasn't is because it's just so much in this that I would just get distracted. And I could never pull it together because I would start getting, I would be going in a direction and then all of a sudden I would read something and it would take me in another direction. And I just could never, you know, I could never come to any kind of conclusions. And I just kind of found the same problem again. <laughs> but the Lord is, is helping me now where in the past he didn't help me. Or maybe I just wasn't ready to be helped. So... Um, I'm going to talk to you this morning on, out, of a, uh, out of chapter 1. I have this, like particular things in the Gospel of John that have been really health, healthy for me. And God has really revealed some things to me in different stories in it. And so this morning I want to talk to you out about mainly about the latter part of the chapter 1. And if you look at uh, the chapter 1 in the Gospel of John, the first 34 verses actually... They're about John introducing who Christ is. It's very powerful. Uh, that was sort of his introduction, who this person of Jesus Christ is. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, obviously he starts out with, with the word, you know, that's who he called Jesus, and that's who Jesus was before he actually came to the earth. That was who, who, who he was in heaven. And it says the word became flesh and, and dwelt among us, and, which is such a beautiful Thought and there's actually in in the first chapter of the Gospel of John, there's actually 14 different titles or descriptions of Christ, which is just absolutely amazing. And and uh, some of them, not the only place they appear is right there, but it kind of gives you a broad, broad view of Him, a very broad view of Him, the in the in the first chapter, and then in starting in verse 35. Uh, if you remember last week, I told you that the Gospel of John was a lot more of a conversational book or a conversational gospel versus a lot of teaching and preaching. Most of it is, uh, if you, when you read it, if you pay attention, most of it is not messages that he was given. It was him having conversations with people, interacting with people. Now, there are, you know, like I think I mentioned John 6, which is Jesus' most infamous message. That was a, a message, but there's, there, and it mentions other times where he preached in synagogues. But most of it is him talking to people. Uh, in fact, those where it mentioned that he preached in synagogues, it never tells us what he preached about. So this thing is an invitation for us to really step in and know the Lord a little different than, than Jesus the preacher Declaring something is getting to know Jesus, the person, and getting to know his heart and his feelings about things. Really such a beautiful, beautiful story. But I wanted to start in verse 42 uh, because this is, this is amazing, y'all, if you really think about it. It, uh, it says that he, Nathaniel, or not Nathaniel, but Andrew, uh, Andrew was, was one of the first disciples. He was a disciple of, of John the Baptist. And when John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God, he was attracted to Jesus and left being a disciple of John the Baptist and immediately became a disciple of Jesus. It says, John and another, there was another disciple that his name is not mentioned, which most people believe that other disciple was John. 
that they were like the first ones that really began to follow, follow the Lord and become his disciples. And Andrew had a very famous brother named Peter. Okay, and so this is, this, this is interesting. It says in verse 42, and he, that means uh, Andrew, brought Peter to Jesus. Okay, this is Jesus' first invitation of Peter. And this is what, listen to this. It says, this is just, this amazes me. Now, when Jesus looked at him, he said, you're Simon, the son of Jonah, but you shall be called Cephas which is translated a stone, which we would call it Peter. So the first time Jesus sees Peter, he speaks right into who Peter, Peter's true identity, who Peter would become. Isn't that amazing? Most of the time when we think about that, um, you know, in Matthew 16, uh, is Jesus also spoke the same thing to Peter. Uh, you know, when, when he said, who do men say that I am? Some of y'all remember that story in Matthew 16. And they begin to answer. Some say, you know, you're Elijah, some Jeremiah, or one of the prophets, etc. And then he, then he pointed and said, but who do you say I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And then he began to tell him again, this is who you are. Isn't that cool? Jesus spoke, it to him, spoke that to him specifically two times. But listen, if you think about the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John, and remember last week I told you it was a gospel of believing. You know, and what you believe affects everything about your life. And that's really what it does. It tries to, the, John invites us into this gospel to reveal this person to us, this amazing person as, who, who's truly God and all these other aspects of this person that he reveals to get us to believe him, to believe what he's saying. And that is what impacts our life. Is when we begin to believe that, it begins to impact our life. Well, the beautiful thing, if you go through this gospel of John, the whole thing, if you really look at it, like it's, it's also a gospel of identity. Because right from the very beginning, Jesus is trying to, he speaks into Peter's life. And think about it, for the next 20 chapters, Peter's with Jesus. He's seeing what Jesus is doing. He's involved in what Jesus is doing. All the way to the very end, where Peter denies the Lord. And Jesus, at the very last chapter of the Bible, of the, of the Gospel of John, is restoring Peter. Are, are y'all getting this? He's restoring him, and he's bringing in, him into that person he said, this is who you are. Do y'all get that? that? This is profound, you see, because really that's what God does in our life. God wants to speak identity to us and tell us who we really are. But it, it's, it's like it doesn't take at first. It's like a process. And one of the greatest, and, and in John uh, chapter 21, where Peter was being restored by the Lord, really is one of the, one of the foundational chapters in the Bible about inner healing. Because that man was totally broken at that point. Totally broken in his life. He had invested three years of his life into Jesus, put his left his business, put, gave everything, gave his whole self to Jesus, denies Jesus at the most critical moment. And there he is, left, and then here's Jesus shows up back from the dead. You know, he's crushed. I think uh, Randall, when he was here that Sunday on Easter, spoke yet when Jesus says, go tell uh, the disciples and Peter that he was pointing out Peter to, to, to meet him in Galilee because God wanted to restore Peter. He wanted to heal his heart, heal his emotions because he never, the Lord never gave up, gave up on who he said Peter was. And many times in our lives, I feel like we, we, go, we get revelation from the Lord, we get words from the Lord, we get powerful impact from the Lord, but our life goes sideways, our life gets messed up. And, and God, but God never quits on that. He never gives up on us. He, he continually goes after that thing in us that he sees in us. Because what he sees, he sees the true us. He sees who you and I really are. And it may take a lifetime for some of us to come into that. 
And see, and then after that, that's why Peter could stand up on the day of Pentecost and do what he did. He could stand up and preach to these people and declare the word of the Lord. And he could stand up and be arrested, you know, and, and you know, stand against opposition. Because he became that rock that Jesus said, said he was. He became that. And you and I can become who he says we are. But it all begins by seeing him. And I've often thought that the gospel of John is so powerful because there's a lot of people who have many doubts about Jesus. There's a lot of believers that have doubts about Jesus. And this is the, this is the book that can answer doubts. This is the book that can address who he is. And what he is. If we would really allow it. I remember one time there was a man. I'm never going to get through this message. But this is, this is so cool. There was a man who tried to kill himself. And he tried to hang himself literally. And, and, and they found just within seconds before he would, would he have permanent brain damage or die. And got him down. You know, and he had a big, you know, thing on his neck. And in the middle of the night, they asked me to come and talk to him and... I can just remember talking to him about Jesus, and his, he was desperate. He was a desperate man because he was trying to kill himself. He had a family, had a beautiful family, and, you know, he just he had an alcohol problem, though, and it was driving him insane, you know. But I remember him saying to me I'm, when I was talking to him about the Lord Jesus, how, and he said with the most sincere, sincere heart and sincere words, he said, Byron, I just wish I could believe what you're telling me. Because at that moment, he, there was not a belief in him. But you know what? There became a belief in him. And, the, and this is how it was. I said, well, here's what I want you to do if you promise me you'll do this. Because at that point, they had him in the, in the psych ward. Okay? They took him to the hospital to check him out, and they put him in the psych ward because he was trying to kill himself. They were trying to protect him from himself. And that's where we were at. I said, I'm going to leave this, this, this gospel of John with you. And I want you to read it, and I want you to ask God, is this the truth? If you'll read it with a sincere heart I see in you right now, if you'll ask him if this is the truth, he will, he will settle these things, these doubts that you have. And he did. The guy got saved. He's still alive today. A big old scar on his neck. Isn't that amazing? So it really is. Uh, I, I think you remember last week I said it was a gospel of believing because the word believe or belief appears 98 times in the book, which is just profound to me. And, God, and everything we do and everything we're going to become, it comes out of our belief system. And, and I've said this, I said it last week, I don't mind repeating it. Your belief, what you believe, rules your life. You do not rule your beliefs. And if you'll begin to believe right, your life can become, come in, you can come into a new thing with God. When we don't believe what he says, it affects us. If we don't, years ago, well, let me just go ahead. I'm going to just, I got to get out of this. <laughs> oh, Lord. This other thing here, I'm going to read some more here because this is the beautiful thing. So it says in verse 43, you know, after he had this encounter with, with, uh, with Peter and said that to him, that's a, kind of just one little sentence in there. This, this, and the whole gospel is about that one sentence. Y'all, the gospel's about that one sentence to tell us, this is who you are. This is who I am. And if you'll believe who I am, you can know who you are. And you can live the life that I have designed for you. And that I, that's in my heart for you. This whole book is about that. This whole gospel of John is for us to believe him. And as we believe him, it changes us. I think I said it last week. John the, John the Apostle did not start out as the John the Beloved. He started out as the son of thunder, trying to call fire down on a city. That's who he was. But he ended up as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Identity changed. All their identities changed. That's why they became who they were. Because they began to know the Lord Jesus. And Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And guess who gives identity? The Father. The Father speaks identity. It's such an important thing, I think. Are y'all right? <laughs> 
I said this last week, I'm going to say it again. When we believe him, we can discover the way to stop defining ourselves by our sins, our failures, and by what the world tells us. But like John, rather as the one whom Jesus loves. And when we know that, we know who we are. When we start walking in that. So it really is a gospel of identity. No question. Well, in verse 43, uh, it says, The following day Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Hey, follow me. Now, Philip was from Beth- Bethsaida. You should hear how people from the Middle East pronounce Bethsaida. They say it really great and cool. I listen to, I listen to somebody like, Wow, I wish I could talk like that, but I won't try it. The city, Bethsaida was the city of Andrew and Peter. That's where they came from. This was Peter's hometown. And Philip found Nathaniel. Isn't this amazing? That's why Billy Graham has this thing called the Nathaniel something that they do. They get it from this very verse of how to, you know, what they want to do is when they go into to a crusade or something in a town, they have this Nathaniel group to go and, and go get your friends. Go get your friends and bring them so they can get to know, the, know Jesus. I love that. It's such a beautiful thing. And, but Philip found the thing and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. Jesus, listen, this is one of the descriptions. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. That, I, I, want, I don't want to get off on this Jesus of Nazareth thing. That is a very, very powerful powerful identity of Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus, let me just say this, Jesus never called himself that but one time. It's one time in the Bible, and it was when Paul the Apostle was on the road to Damascus going to kill some disciples. And, and he saw this blinding light was knocked to the ground, and, and the Lord began to speak to him from heaven. And he said, Who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus of Nazareth. That's what he said. Isn't that powerful? I'm, and man, when I read that, it made, made the hairs on my arm stand up. Because there's something powerful. Uh, in Acts 10, one of our great, famous verses, how Jesus of Nazareth was anointed by the Holy Ghost and power, went about doing good and destroying all the works of the devil. There's something to that, that name, Jesus of Nazareth. There's something that we don't have a revelation on yet. I just thought I'd throw that out to you. I think that's pretty cool. And Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, Philip said, come and see. So right away we see there's a problem with humanity in that little phrase. It's called being prejudiced. Because right, that's, that's, that's what we're talking, that's why he, he was prejudiced. He was prejudiced of the people from Nazareth because Nazareth was not a great place in the days of Jesus. In fact, they have historical records from Roman soldiers. There was a Roman soldier, military uh, people that were stationed there that they they, they hated the place. They thought it was the most despicable place in the world to be stationed there. This is historical records from Roman soldiers. And so apparently the people from Nazareth were like, you know, country bumpkins, Right, just poor, you know, can't talk well. I mean, they're messed up. Nothing good can come from Nazareth. Nothing good. Jesus came from Nazareth. That's where he lived. That's why he's Jesus. See, there's something end all while I was just telling There's some connection there. But I think the thing we all need to see in the heart of every fallen human being and most redeemed people is this prejudice thing. And that's the first thing that God, that God wanted us to know, one of the things he wanted to know, us to know in this gospel. For us to really get free, we're going to have to deal with the prejudice in our hearts. We can't be prejudiced. You know, and prejudice is basically prejudging. You're prejudging somebody before you know, have any information. When you look up the, the definition of prejudice, you're, you're, you're prejudging somebody with, with no information whatsoever, whether they're a good person or a bad person. Just based on whatever, from with Jesus, he was from the wrong town. In America, it's this color of your skin, right? Or your political affiliation. Or the wrong side of the railroad tracks. Or how you dress in school. Or how much, you, you know, blah, blah. <laughs> Anyways, let me just continue on. So, Daniel, so 
this is, this is beautiful. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said of him. Now listen, this is a prejudiced man. And this is the beauty of Jesus. He could have called him out and said, you prejudiced son of a gun, you bigot. He could have. He could have called him out for that. But he didn't. And I think this is all in here for, for us to see. He said, behold, uh, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. Isn't that beautiful? That's what Jesus said. Jesus looked right past all this man's fault and looked right into the heart because apparently uh, Nathaniel was a very honest person even though he was prejudiced. Even though he had some bad things, but he did have one amazing trait. That he was super honest. There was absolutely no deceit in who he was as a person. In other words, he would not, if, hey, Nathaniel, how you doing? Terrible. I mean, he was just that kind of guy. And Jesus brought that, he pointed that out to him. I, I just think that's such a, a cool thing. But then he goes on. Um, he said, and Nathaniel said, how do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, before, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Isn't that amazing? When you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now, there's a lot to the fig tree thing. Because I think most of us probably understand Israel is the fig tree is symbolic of Israel. That's what Israel has been symbolically called. So, uh, so and and Jesus has said he was an Israelite. In other words, this was a good you know Israeli boy, a good Hebrew guy who was uh, patriotic to his to his nation and loved his nation. Jesus saw that, and Jesus commended that, y'all. Jesus commended a man that, that, who had a love for his nation. There's nothing wrong with loving your nation. I just want to say that. Now, I think there's some stuff that gets weird on that. You can get really weird on it, but there's nothing wrong with loving your nation. That's the Bible verse you can always use when, when people tell you not to love your nation. I love my nation. I really do. I don't think it's perfect by any means. It has never been perfect and will not be perfect until Christ returns, but... I think this is a beautiful thing that Jesus commended him, that you're an Israelite with no deceit in you. And that was a commendation from the Lord. Are y'all with me this morning? You're being awful quiet and just sort of looking at me with these blank stares. And they're tired. Yeah, they ate too much. <laughs> yeah. I think there's also something about this fig tree thing uh, on a practical level. Um, have you ever, I remember years ago, this is back in the 80s, the first time I ever heard a prophet call out somebody and give them literally their physical address of where they lived. I mean, like, uh, does 2487 Charlotte Highway, Mooresville, North Carolina, mean anything to you? Uh, it's my church. It's where my church is. Yeah, and you know what the Lord just showed me about you and To get a person's attention. To let them know that the next thing that's fixing to be said really came from the heart of God. A person not, not even knowing. I've, how many people have ever seen something like that happen? It's, it's amazing. And it's right there in the Bible. That's what Jesus was doing. He was letting that guy know something. That I'm just not this regular dude. I saw you. I believe there was a, had to be a tree that this guy sat under. And did something that was significant to him. And at that moment, the Lord pointed it out to him. And he knew the Lord was speaking to him. Isn't that beautiful? I have this story on that I'll tell you real quick. Um, years ago, I was in this prayer meeting. I used to go to this prayer meeting at 6 o'clock every Monday morning. And I'm now looking at, why? No, I can't believe I did that for years. <laughs> It'd be on the, I would go there and pray. To, they prayed. I don't know how long they prayed for, but I'd have to leave at 7 to go on and go to work. So that's why I would go to this prayer meeting. And I remember one morning this guy quoted this verse uh, out of Psalm 78, and this is what it was. Ephraim, although he was armed with bow, he turned back in the day of battle. That's in Psalm 78. And I said to the Lord that day, Lord, when my day comes, remind me of that verse. Because I know that I will not make the right decisions unless you help me. Okay? And you know what? One of the biggest decisions I ever had in my entire life 
that affected everything about me, affected my whole future and everything, and I could not make the decision, I could not get it clarity on it, until one afternoon sitting around chit-chatting with this guy who felt like he knew what I was supposed to do, and I was disagreeing with what he was telling me, casually mentioned that verse. And when he did, I instantly remembered that day, and I knew exactly what I was supposed to do. And what I was supposed to do was come here and be the pastor of this church. And I'm telling you, the Lord can speak to you if you allow him and like that. He can, he can set you up if you allow, and he will bring... And that's what Jesus was doing to Nathaniel at that moment. Nathaniel was just set up by the Lord because the Lord said, Nathaniel, I saw you. I saw you. I see into your heart. I see who you are, and I saw you there. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful and powerful that that's how God, God wants to speak to us like that at times. Maybe not every day, but times in our life when God can begin to reveal himself in a beautiful way to us that can change the whole course of our life. Amen? So here's another cool thing. Let me finish reading this. Are y'all okay? Uh, maybe. Okay, and it says... Nathaniel answered to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. See, instantly his belief system shifted to what good can come out of, of, to, of Nazareth to this guy is God. Because for a Hebrew to say somebody was the son of God, they were saying he's God. Because that's how the Hebrews think. If you de- whoever your daddy was, that's who you were. That's, that was their mindset. And so he see his, how his belief system shifted when, when this revelation came to him, when God revealed something to him about him, and, and it completely changed his whole belief and changed the course of his life, and he became one of Jesus' amazing disciples. Isn't that beautiful? And so uh, this is it. Uh, and Jesus um, said to him, also he said, you're the king of Israel, because they were at that point still thinking, hey, military might. We're going to whip those Romans out of here. They had some disappointment coming on that one, right? Because he didn't do it. Isn't it interesting how God doesn't do what we think he's going to do sometimes? There was a young man I know that I really love dearly who's recently had a baby, and he said things didn't go as we expected. And I said, welcome to parenthood. (laughs) You're right. Nothing goes as we expected when you become a parent. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And let me tell you what those greater things were. All those miracles in the Gospel of John. All those, that's what he was talking about. You're going to see miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And then he says, And he said to him, Most surely I say to you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open. And the angels of God ascended and descended on the Son of Man. And that's really what, if you had to sum up the whole Gospel of John in one sentence, that's what the whole Gospel of John is about right there. It's seeing heaven opened and the angels of God ascended and descended on Jesus Christ. And all the signs that he did. If you had to look at the whole thing, you had to boil it down. And the rest of the next 20 chapters of the Gospel of John are taking that one verse and expounding upon it, revealing what that verse means, putting energy on that verse. Isn't that cool? So if you had to, if somebody asks you, what's the Gospel of John about? You can just read that one verse to them. It's all about this. It's all about Christ. It's all about heaven being opened. And angels of God coming in and out of heaven upon this person. Well, I need to go ahead and get going. I don't know. Are y'all, in, are y'all into this thing? I mean, this is some of the coolest stuff there ever was. I want to give you a, some background for those in the room who don't know about what Jesus just said. About the heavens open. This is vital revelation to me. This, has been, this was back years ago. This was one of the greatest things that God did. He, when he began to speak to me about re- coming into a realm of revelation, of, of hearing God speak, of connecting with God, of being able to connect into the spiritual realm, was, was that verse I just read to you. It began to un- uh, open to me. 
And so I want to read the background on this verse, which is amazing. It's actually out of Genesis, and it's what I consider one of the most famous dreams in the entire Bible. Uh, and many of you know it. I'm going to read it to you, Genesis 28, 10 through 13. This is when Jacob was having to leave home because his brother Esau was going to kill him over him stealing his birthright. And his mom and daddy basically said, you got to get out of here. Your brother's going to kill you. Go to your uncle, Uncle Laban, and you're going to find a bride there. They married, they did intermarrying back then, y'all. Cousins. Well, that's just the way it is, the way it worked. I know it's weird, but it's in the Bible. And so he left home going to Uncle Laban's, and he says, Jacob went out from Beersheba and went towards Haram. And so he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head. And he laid down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed and behold, a ladder. Isn't that beautiful? A ladder was set up on the earth. And its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were Ascending, have you ever read about this before? Ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above. This is really important. The Lord stood above up at the top of the ladder and said, I'm the Lord, God of Abraham your father and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. And he goes on and affirms the promise did he give to Abraham? Then in verse 16, it says, Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't know it. I didn't know it. This is a place of God. And I didn't know God was here. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Isn't that powerful? This is none other than, this is the first time that phrase is used in the entire Bible, the house of God. So that explains what the house of God is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a gate of heaven. It's supposed to be a place where heaven and earth intersect. It's supposed to be a place where people can see angels, experience the angelic realm. That's really what God was saying about you and I. Because we're the house of God, right? Personally. Personally, we're the house of God. And we're meant to be a gateway for people to be able to access heaven. We're literally meant to be that. That's one of our identities. And also, the church, the corporate body, the local church, the church big time, all the church, the church on earth is supposed to be that gate of heaven. The place where people can meet the Lord. That sounds like a pretty amazing. And so when, when the Lord spoke to uh, Nathaniel about the angel, Nathaniel knew right away what he was talking about. He, he understood this story. And, 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 and John was trying to tell us about the ladder. The ladder is not a ladder, a what, but it's a who. That this Jacob's ladder, even in the Old Testament, was the Lord himself. It was Christ himself in the Old Testament coming as a ladder. Isn't that beautiful? That Christ is a ladder. Okay, listen, y'all. I've had a, I had a dream one time. He, when I read this about years ago, the Lord started speaking to me about ladders. And I'm going to tell you, I hate ladders. I, I don't want to get on a ladder because one time when I was in high school working on a summer job in construction, I climbed up a ladder. And as I was stepping off the ladder, I had a big old piece of plywood in my hand. A wind blew, and I got blown off this building. And I landed flat on my back. And it knocked the breath out of me. And I looked to my side, like right next to me was a big pile of bricks. I could have landed on that bricks. It could have killed me. So after that, I was like, mm, I'm not doing it. You know, the only thing that happened that day was, hey, you can take a little longer break, get your breath back. But we still need that piece of plywood up there. <laughs> Construction people are kind of rough. Well, I never had it. So I had this dream about this ladder, okay, and, and the ladder was real flimsy. And I heard the Lord, or what I perceived to be the Lord, like, climb the ladder. And I said, I'm not climbing that ladder. 
This is in the dream. I'm not climbing that ladder. That thing is flimsy. And you know what the Lord said? You're going to have to trust me. If you want to move in, if you want to go up into the spirit, you've got to trust me. It looks flimsy. It don't look cool. It don't look great. But if you'll trust me, and if you'll go up that ladder, you'll find something you've always wanted. And you'll find something that I've always had for you. And that ladder, you see, lots of times Christ doesn't appear beautiful and strong and amazing. Yeah, he really doesn't. But we had to trust him. Lots of times the way he appears is opposite the way we think. But we had to trust him. And we can enter into stuff if we'll begin to trust what he says and believe what he says. Are y'all following this? That's, that's what... Yeah, man. Thank you. So, um, here's the other amazing thing, y'all. This is really interesting. I want you to get this. When Jacob had the dream, God was on the top of the ladder speaking down into the earth. Right? That's what I just read. Up there, talking. But in Gospel of John... God in the person of Christ came down the ladder. Listen, he came down the ladder. And no longer was he up there talking. He came down and stood on the earth. This is amazing. Listen, this is everything. This is everything. God came down. Let me read this verse to you. John 1, 5. Don't y'all love John 1, 5? It says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The light shines in the darkness. God in the person of Christ came down into our darkness. Are y'all getting this? He came down into our darkness and came down and lived in our darkness and walked in our darkness and experienced our darkness. That's what God did. That's what the gospel teaches us. And the cross was like the crescendo. That was the ultimate place where God entered into humanity's darkness. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Do y'all know that Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me in alert? Why have you not come through for me? For years we believed that God actually forsook Christ on the cross. Because that's what he said. But no, God did not forsake Jesus Christ on the cross. No, Jesus just came into our darkness in a full way. Because every one of us in this room have felt forsaken by God. Every one of us had cried out to God, Why, Lord? Why did this happen? Why did you let this happen? Am I talking to anybody who's felt that? And has felt, where is God in my most needy moment, my most hurtful moment? And then he's not showing up. That's what Christ entered into all of that. That's why he felt what he felt. Because he was feeling everything you and I feel. He was all. He was absorbing it all. All the failure. All the disappointment. All the hurt. All the tragedy that humans go through. He came down out of heaven. And lived in our darkness and experienced our darkness. That's what Jesus was saying on that cross. He was saying, I'm here with you. That's the ultimate picture of God entering in to humanity. And coming down from the ladder. And see, it was like the ultimate thing. Anybody felt abandoned? by the Lord or just felt abandoned in your life you ever had that feeling of abandonment inside of you just where you felt or felt lonely you know all that all that is what that's darkness that's darkness there's nothing worse than feeling abandoned especially if you're a child and you feel abandoned or your friends have abandoned you or been betrayed that's darkness. That's the darkness that God entered into to experience it for us, to help us know. And it says the darkness didn't comprehend the light. In other words, the darkness didn't overcome the light. 
even though he experienced it and felt it, it didn't defeat him. He defeated the darkness. That's really what it's talking about. That's what Jacob's Ladder really is the greatest teachings on, the, on Jacob's Ladder. It's just not just the access in heaven. It's getting free from darkness because he came down and lived in our darkness and walked in our darkness. I don't, are y'all getting this? Yeah. This is really powerful if you if you let it if you let it get into your heart, and you can begin to access the heavenly realm and have prophetic experiences, encounters with the Lord, and dreams, and all those amazing, beautiful things. But the most amazing thing is is when you're in your worst moment of your life, and the Lord comes and says, "It's okay," because that didn't beat you. Because the light shined in the darkness. That's what he told me one time. In one of my worst moments ever. When I felt absolutely defeated in my life. And felt like the biggest failure there ever possibly could be. The Lord came and sat down beside me and said, It's okay. It's, it's okay, Byron. The light still burns in you. And no devil has ever beat this light. And that's what he wants people to know. I think it's really, really powerful. I really do. I think a lot of people have fallen away from the Lord because they have this why question. Right? I know people who've fallen away from the Lord because why? I remember one time we had a good friend that uh, had cancer and he died. uh, And his brother... There was another friend that had cancer and died, and his brother, the brother, the first guy, called me and was, this guy was a really amazing guy, really loved the Lord, but he quit following the Lord over God not healing his brother or this mutual friend, because he was, why did God let this happen? Why? God could have stopped it. He was so wounded and hurt by it. And see, I just think there's times where the Lord just invites us into that. That he, when he cried out, why have you forsaken me? He was crying it out for all of us. For every one of us. He was saying that for us. Because every one of us had that. So, well, the cool thing is, I'm fixing to stop. (laughs) But I did want to say this. Christ came down and walked on the earth with us, but Christ went back up. But when he got up there, guess what happened? <laughs> the Holy Ghost came. Did y'all feel that when they were singing that song? They kept That's an old song, and it had Holy Ghost in there. I think I've told you before there's two kinds of Christians. There's Holy Spirit Christians and Holy Ghost Christians. That's what this black preacher one time said. I heard him say it. This is 25 years ago. There's two kinds of Christians. There's Holy Spirit Christians, and they're really nice and quiet and gentle, and they have everything together. But then there's those Holy Ghost Christians. <laughs> they ain't so quiet, and they ain't so gentle, and they ain't got nothing together. But when he comes, you can really tell they ain't got it together. <laughs> so I always thought, but you know what I want to be, Lord? I want to be a Holy Ghost Christian. When they were saying Holy Ghost up there, I don't know about y'all, but I felt the Holy Ghost. I felt the Holy Ghost was on it. Every time we'd say Holy Ghost, it's like, whoa, that's sweet, man. And I think that's what happened back there, whether he knows it or not, when he was up here testifying, the Holy Ghost was getting a hold of Ashley. And the Holy Ghost was trying to tell Ashley, Ashley, there's more to you than you think there is. I've got more for you than you thought. That's what he was trying to tell Ashley, I've got a dream for your life. That's what happens when the Holy Ghost gets a hold of people. So let's just not just be just Holy Spirit. We can be that, but let's be Holy Ghost people. Amen. So you're never alone. Jacob said, God is in this place, and I didn't know it. That's what he said. God is in this place, and I didn't know it. There's just times we just don't feel like God's with us. He's not here with us. If Where is God? He's not answering my prayer. I can't sense him. I can't feel him. Nothing's working. Everything's going in reverse. But he's never, he's always with you because he sent the Holy Ghost. God is always with you. See, he, when he went back to heaven, he made sure 
that even whether we know it or not, he's in this place. And he's with you in your life, whether you know it or not. And he will never, he promised, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And that's the truth of the gospel. And that's really what that Jacob's letter really is all about. It's about two things. God coming and living in our darkness and answering our darkness. And it's about him never leaving or forsaking us. And the third beautiful thing is, yep, the heavenly realm. Revelation. Amazing experiences in the Lord. That's the, the three main things. Why don't we just stand up? And... Yeah, I needed some Holy Ghost people in here this morning. Yeah, I needed some help here. Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah. Whew. You know, last night I gave a little talk at the men's meeting. The one thing I didn't say, I did, one thing I wanted to say I didn't say, and this was it. The devil is after your voice. He is after your voice. Because if he can shut your mouth, then he shut God's mouth. Because your voice is the voice that God wants to use in the earth. Now, we need to get that. That's the ultimate agenda of what's happening in the world today. Ultimately, y'all, if you're a believer in Christ... Everything that's going on in the world, it's not about Democrats, it's not about Republicans, it's not about liberal, it's not about conservative, it's about this one thing. We're going to stop Christians because the devil, whether these people who are at work, the devil knows that our voice makes a difference. And our voice, because we carry the truth in our mouth. And we're in a time where people, God wants to raise up voices that represent his heart that doesn't represent a political party or an agenda but represents his voice and some people will actually lose their voice that they've had out of over compromise but if we'll give ourselves to the Lord he will give you a voice in whatever place of influence he puts you where when you speak it'll be like the words of God coming out of your mouth and the devil won't bear to stop it. So I, what we need to know as believers, this thing is way bigger than politics. Way bigger. It's about the voice of the Lord. John the Baptist said this, I am a voice crying in the wilderness. Jesus is the word. But he's called each one of us to be a voice. And he wants you to have a voice. But the world, the flesh, the devil wants to do everything it can to shut your mouth down. And look, you know what? The truth is, the testimony of my life, it wasn't any of that stuff that shut me down. It was my own messed up heart that shut me down. So I want to just pray. Are y'all good? Yeah. I want to pray for you. Father, thank you today for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you came down, Lord. That you didn't just stand up there in heaven and talk to Talk to creation from up there. But you came in and lived in this creation. And you walked with us, Lord. You became one of us. And Lord, we're thankful today that on the throne of heaven is a man. That you never stopped being a man even when you went there. That you're still a man today and you understand us. You understand our brokenness. You understand our darkness. You understand our questions. And Father, we're asking you today, I pray, Lord, this thing, Jacob's Ladder, would become a reality in our hearts and a reality in our minds that we begin to experience what Jesus said. You will see heaven open. That we would begin to experience an open heaven in our life, Lord. Like never before. And we begin to have eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to understand what the Spirit of the Lord is saying and what the Spirit of the Lord is doing in the earth, Lord. I think about that thing that Aaron Thomason said earlier about kindness. That's, the, that's victory. God brings people into his heart through kindness, not through harshness. I've found in some of the things in my life that I've suffered with, temptations, bad thoughts about myself, etc., were overcome by God's kindness, by gentleness from the Lord coming to me, where I realized I don't even want that. I don't even know why I was ever tempted by that. 
but it was kindness that made me feel that way. And I was like, Lord, why are you being so nice to me? Why? Why? Because he loves me. And I think the Lord really wants to deliver us this morning into something new and fresh in him. Amen. So I'm going to let Aaron come up here and close us out. And Good old Aaron Thomason. He's a big Mooresville boy now. 28115. I don't want to shift from this, though. We just want to... It's so good. Um, I just don't want to shift from this, just to take a moment. Um, I do just feel the kindness of the Lord resting on people this morning. And um, and he doesn't want to move past it because you matter to him. Um, and I feel like the Lord uh, wants to touch those that have been abandoned, that have felt abandoned in life that have felt isolated and alone. And um, Byron sharing a bit of his story of God meeting him in a, in a place. And I feel that God wants to meet people here. So if you could just close your eyes or whatever it takes just to, to, to connect with the Lord, to quiet your soul. Even the fear of abandonment. You might have been abandoned for a long time and maybe you've said, I'm, I'm good. I'm over it. It's good. It's in the past. But there's this fear that's like a shadow that follows you wherever you go um, of maybe, just maybe, you might be abandoned one more time. And it affects your relationships. It affects how you work. It affects how you love. Um, yeah. God, we thank you for filling our hearts with your love for meeting us that you became flesh you met us where we're at and you see us under the fig tree you see us Lord right now you see us I just want us to actually just declare something together Jesus, I thank you that you see me. Jesus, I thank you that you know me. Thank you, Father. I love you, Jesus. If you need prayer, I'd like for you to come up. The ministry team would be happy to pray for you. And just may you be blessed in everything that you do this week. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.